Hello, and welcome to ProductWise Podcast. This is your host, Alexandra Dinella, and my special guest today is Natalie Seattle. Natalie has worked in tech for the last decade and has worked specifically in payments, NFP, lottery, and data. She describes herself as an industry agnostic leader, enjoying the learning experience of working in new sectors. Natalie has led large digital transformations, the development of product portfolios and product delivery, and is currently a chief product officer at OAG, where she has transformed the product organization over the last two years by introducing lean startup principles into 90-year-old business. She calls it the 90-year-old startup. Natalie, thank you so much for being here. Um, pleasure to, to have you on the call. Thanks, Alexandra. Great to be here. Brilliant. Um, well, you've, uh, you have quite a, um, quite a journey uh, to the current role of the CPO. Um, would you be able to walk me through how you've got into the current position and what was your previous experience like? Sure. So I'm not someone that's uh, trodden a natural product path into the CPO role. Um, I haven't been a product owner or a product manager or a head of product. But what I have done for the last decade is worked in tech in a number of different sectors where I've been really focused on driving product delivery. And it's that experience where you're working at the intersection of commercial and technology that has naturally lent itself to me becoming the, the chief product officer at OAG, which is where I am now. So um, that's my experience. That's the path that's got me here. I'm hoping that that will encourage other people who haven't trodden the kind of traditional route into being, you know, a senior product leader um, into believing that they can probably you know, make the same transition too. Uh, what was the mission for your role when you've joined OAG? So we were undertaking, what I would say is six months before I joined OAG, we had a new chief technology officer, uh, Nick Deaton, a brilliant CTO, um, with a vision for creating a unified data platform for our business. So from a tech perspective, there was a tech transformation happening um, involving us moving to the cloud using technologies such as Snowflake and Microsoft Azure. And when I joined the product team here, um, lots of great expertise in terms of our industry and data and domain, um, brilliant expertise. But what we didn't have in place was a lot of the process and governance and real customer centricity that you need, I think, to be a successful product team. So one of the things I, I bang on about a lot in our business is, you know, we've all got good ideas. And sometimes I think egos can become dangerous in terms of good ideas because we're experts. You know, we know what's best. Let's invest 12 months in, in building a product that we believe is, is going to meet the needs of our customers in the industry. Um, and so very early on, I kind of pivoted to a... Well, I saw that there was a need for us to pivot to having more customer-driven development. So, yes, we have an idea, but actually, let's call that a hypothesis. Everyone, you know, everyone can have a hypothesis. And then what becomes really critical is around how we start to test that hypothesis. What assumptions are we making? What customers can we go and speak to? How might we build a proof of concept really quickly with the tech team in, you know, a couple of sprints? so that we can go out to the market and understand whether our great idea is actually valuable to customers before we go ahead and invest 12 months in, in building it. 
So I think the first thing is, um, yeah, governance and process. We didn't have uh, today what we call a product roadmap forum. Uh, we didn't have product prioritization criteria. So it was very much a case, as I'm sure it is in lots of business, of who shouts loudest gets their initiative developed. Um, often we all know that's the commercial people, <laughs> or it's you know the the kind of the strongest, um, the, the, the commercial person with the strongest voice sometimes. Um, and one of my mantras that I learned from a chief commercial officer probably about ten years ago now in another business was, "That's a great idea, and I'm I'm really thrilled that you know one customer is prepared to pay us a hundred thousand dollars for this. That's great." Go and speak to all your other friends in the commercial team. And when you've got five or 10 customers that are prepared to pay us $100,000 each, then let's look at prioritizing it and investing in it. So process and governance, number one, being led by the customer and truly led by the customer, I think was, was the second piece actually. Um, and building proof of concept, getting customer feedback, insight, validation before we make big investments in product development. And I think the third thing is we we didn't have clear product roadmaps Like we didn't have meaningful strategies, uh, a vision and go forward product roadmaps for this new cloud transformation. So there was this really intense period at the beginning of just storming frenetically to, to try and get all of these these kind of variables, but, but critical requirements in place. Um, and I find that really thrilling, actually, when you're when you're in the eye of a storm and, and you've got so much to, to turn around um, and transform to, to find a way forward. So that that was my my entry into into product at OAG. Brilliant. Uh, aware that um, you sort of uh, led to the point of the change management, essentially, that needed to happen internally um, and also the fact that you needed to build the team of an experts within the industry and the difficulties that arose um, from, from that, right? From, from the needs of individuals being uh, quite understanding of the intricacies of the field. Um, could you tell me a little bit more about that? Sure, I think, um, I, I mean, OAG, just, just to make it really clear, we're a, you know, we're a business, we supply aviation data to the broader travel ecosystem. That, that's what we do. As I said, I've been here two years, so I'm I'm definitely not an expert in you know in anything that we're doing or our products. I'm I'm learning, um, but it's complex and it takes a long time to learn. I think in terms of being a great product person, though, it's not about necessarily you having certainly in the early days, you know, that deep data or domain expertise. I think what's more key than anything is the ability to listen. It's the ability to what are the, to um, to work out what are the right questions to ask to ask those questions to our customers predominantly to really get under the skin of the customer problems that they're trying to solve um, on their side that create value for their business and to really listen and you know we have this expression in our business you know we talk about commercial people sometimes you know we have happy ears we hear what we want to hear because it validates um, you know, it, it validates our thoughts, it validates our ideas. But I think the more that someone can show up in an empathetic state of, I know the questions that, you know, we need the answers to, I'm going to really get under the skin of those questions with the customer. I'm going to really seek to understand what's going on with the customer and the challenges or the opportunities that they've got. And I'm really going to listen 
and then I'm actually going to use that to drive whatever we do next. Those skills and those abilities to me are so much more valuable than, you know, from day one, having all of the expertise about our platform, the products, the data, the domain. I think you can you can gain that with time. You know, if, if you've got the if you've got a growth mindset and you want to learn and you're able to retain information, you, you can do that piece over you know the, the next few years. But but that first piece is is key for me. And therefore, when I'm looking to hire for people, um, especially external hires, that that's the that's the stuff that matters the most. Mm -hmm. uh, you also earlier spoke about building a team essentially from from someone already inside the organization, um, which I expect was was quite a uh, quite a uh, you know quite a project for yourself to to make sure that you get the right kind of skills and the right kind of acumen and uh, um, you know knowledge about the customer base. Could you double click on that a bit more? Yeah, absolutely. I think. Um... To my last point, actually, around, you know, all of those kind of consultative skills that you like are really important for great product people. What I found, and again, I, I think we'll talk a little bit about how um, you cannot have success without failure is is, is another one of my uh, mantras. And, you know, through um, some failed hires, and that's not to say that the hires themselves were, you know, not, not great people that they were. And they absolutely had that consultative kind of angle, but then what was a real challenge for them was understanding the data domain and, and the products as well. So after kind of 18 months, I think of, of going on that journey and you know finding it very difficult to hire, I said to our board a, a couple of months ago, actually, I feel like I'm looking for unicorns. You know, I'm feeling, I'm, I feel like I'm looking for people who've got all of these brilliant consultative skills where they can elicit information from customers and you know, we can get all of this insight to build the right products. But actually, OAG is a 90-year-old business and all of the data and complexity in our domain, even the language, you know, I, I've been here about a, a, a week, two weeks, and I literally felt like I was speaking Swahili or I was hearing Swahili. I, I literally felt, I know like in a lot of companies, at OAG, we have a, hey, here's a guide to our acronyms. You know, it's like a little glossary. It's so much more complex and broader than that. It's, it's literally like hearing another language. So I think where I've got to after, after two years, maybe about 18 months into this journey was, actually, who are the people that I can identify internally who know our data, know our domain? And we've got some really long-serving employees in this business, which is testament to it's a great business and people stay. And then of those people who've got all of this domain and data knowledge, Actually, who are the ones that are, you know, have got the ability to be able to develop the consultative mindset and approach? Because I can coach that or, you know, myself, the head of product, you know, we can coach that in people as a team. So, you know, in the last six months, I've promoted a product owner who's based in our Lithuania office in Kaunas to being one of our product directors. He was a product owner for the API. He's now a product director for the API. I've um, promoted an onboarding team lead uh, who we have in Singapore, and I've made him a product director as well. And I've taken um, another guy who was the head of our CX function. Uh, he's been with the company 18 years, but for 18 years, he has heard customers every day talk to us about our data and our product 
tests and you know mostly when usually there's a question they need answering in relation to our data and our products and so he has got this rich encyclopedic knowledge of our business and from day one you know I thought we can harness that we can harness that because I can see that he's got all of the other qualities and this desire to learn and to grow and to become a product person and we can coach and develop that in him and and that's exactly what's happening actually so that's 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 where i've got to in terms of our our talent strategy and product two years in yeah that's fantastic and um especially you know noting as you know within my field that quite a lot of the individuals are moving toward the product management as a career path from quite a variety of the different fields such as customer experience or uh, or customer success or um, customer agents even are you know slowly tinting towards the the product same is applicable for the engineers or research specialists so it's it's really quite uh, significant to see that this indeed is applicable in practice in larger organizations um, such as yours as well yes um so you spoke uh, as well about the challenges of you know uh, mixing or combining the uh, the professional life and the growth that you're having there and the learnings that you're accumulating through the through the years and being a single mother. Um, a lot of the listeners, as I'm sure, they will be either going through for similar uh, for similar experiences, or might be on the edge of entering the similar experience. Could you um, elaborate a bit more? How did you manage the um, the, the the both kind of tracks, right, uh, of your life as they were developing through the years? Yeah. Um... <laughs> It's probably a really great question to ask my children, who I'm sure would have some very uh, strong opinions as, as kind of older teenagers and, and early 20s now. Um, I think the first thing to say is, look, it's it's not easy. It's it's hard. And well, my experience, my experience has been it is not easy. It is hard. And um, I've had to make compromises. Um, as you say, I've been a single parent for over a decade now. Um, and I think my experience was, you know, um, speaking as a, as a woman, um, I think for me, you know, having a partner is, is great if that partner, you know, is, is really bringing support actually. Um, and if that support isn't there, then my experience was it's, you know, I can give myself that support and it's easier, um, for me to, you know, to, to act alone. And, and that's what I've chosen to do. How I've done that, that's, you know, how, how have you how have you managed to get to chief product officer um, for a long time, working 60 to 80 hours a week? Um, not something I would want to do at this point now <laughs> of, of my career. It feels almost like a kind of, um, you know, a, an initiation path. This is my experience. It almost has felt like an initiation path that you have to go through to, you know, work that hard, do that much to get to the point at which you don't have to prove yourself in that way anymore. Um, that's certainly how I how I felt about it. In terms of balancing being a single parent of, of three children at home and my career, um, we've had au pairs from all over the world. Um, and my children will say to me that they, um, you know, they, they love that because it gives them stories and it, it gives them um, a lot of, you know, life experience and experience of, of other people and, and other, other cultures and experiences. 
Um, do I feel guilt? Yes, looking back now, I do actually feel some guilt. I think the whole way, you know, through my journey, I've just thought, how can I be the best role model that I can be to my children? And I do believe that being the best role model that you can be is being a happy parent, right? And, you know, my happiness, if you like, and what I was really motivated by and, and passionate about, as I still am today, is my work. I I love I love solving problems and I love solving problems with other people. And as much as I love my children, we're not going to be sitting at home having, you know, actually we do have quite a lot of intellectual debates, but we're not going to be sitting at home trying to say solve the same type of problems um, um, together. So it's been exhausting. I look back, I'm, I'm kind of quite glad I had my children in my 20s because I gen genuinely think now at the age of 44, I just would not have the energy to do what I did in my 20s and 30s. Um, I'd say it's also highly questionable whether anyone should work how I did in my 20s and 30s. Um, it's, it's not something I'd advocate. But I was so focused and so driven, uh, probably horribly so now looking back and probably pretty difficult to work with a lot of the time because of my maniacal drive um that I, I literally couldn't put the brakes on for myself if if that made sense if that makes sense I was I was so intent on you know I can do all of this you know I can be a single parent I can have three children I can get to the top of I can can get to the top of my game and and I was so focused on wanting to achieve that and wanting to prove that it could be done but I think my, you know, my final statement on that would be, yes, it can be done, but it comes at a lot of personal sacrifice. I can imagine. And thank you so much for sharing this. This is a, a fantastic uh, reflection on, you know, on uh, combining both of the paths and, and still making it through. So it's a wonderful achievement, Natalie. I think uh, definitely be proud of yourself here. Oh, um, thank you. Um, in one of our conversations, um, and one of the points that you've you've already touched upon, i.e., um, learning through the learning through the failures, you, you've also outlined the importance of uh, getting to know oneself uh, through diversity of the situations, and essentially developing your own personal style and understanding of what you're best at, what you're not so good at, and knowing kind of your own boundaries and your uh, you know, maybe uh, faulty or, you know, <laughs> faulty, um, faulty pieces where you're not really the best. How did you arrive to, to such an understanding and to, uh, you know, recognizing yourself, your, you know, knowing your best parts, knowing the parts where you're not as, as great? Uh, what did it, uh, what the journey did look like? Um, again, I'd say a, you know, a, a difficult journey, actually. Um, I, I guess my first kind of real experience, I'd worked in business for, for 10 years, but then I, you know, I started to work in kind of um, more corporate business from, from 2012 onwards. And that was a bit of a baptism of fire for me because um, I'd always just showed up every day, you know, being me. Um, and I think there's so much around be your authentic self. You know, you will be your best. We hear this all the time, right? 
you will be your best when you rock up and you are wholly authentic. Um, that was not my experience um, because actually my wholly authentic self, to your point, was was flawed. We're human beings. We we are flawed. And I was privileged enough to work at WorldPay in 2012 for three years before IPO. And, you know, again, looking back, the CEO there was incredibly forward thinking in terms of the, the culture that he created. Um, so we drew on a lot of Lencioni stuff and we operated in the culture of like real time feedback all of the time. And for the first time in my life, in my early 30s, I started to receive feedback. And wow, what a shock to the system that was, because. We all, we're all blind. I think we're all walking a lot around blind a lot of the time until people actually start to say, hey, you know, working with you is good because you're passionate, you've got drive, you've got this amazing energy, you know, you're really good at solving problems. And then there would be the, the and, and here's the stuff that's really not so good, actually. Um, and, you know, for me, that stuff looks like, you know, my current CEO talks about how your greatest strengths actually, when taken too far, start to become your, your weaknesses. So that relentless pace, that relentless pace and drive, quite frankly, no good if you're running so fast that you're not taking anybody else with you. And then along the way, you're getting really frustrated and annoyed that why are people so slow and why can't they keep up, right? Um, direct uh lacking in empathy um just saying what i thought all of the time because hey that's being authentic i'm being honest and authentic so i'll just get this stuff out on the table and through doing that having no awareness at all about the you know the political savvy that is required working in corporate business you know the ability to read the room the understanding that stuff isn't always black and white, Natalie. There is a big fat space called grey. Good God, I've never operated in grey, ever. And I'm 44 now, and I'd say it's taken me the last two years to get even, you know, even anywhere close to operating in grey better. I think as well, um, yeah, sometimes just... All of that, I think bundling all of that together and knowing when to stop. This is another piece of feedback I was given all the time. Like, Natalie, pick your battles. Like, I was trying to go at everything all of the time. And where I ended up was just, quite frankly, you know, annoying the hell out of people a lot of the time and becoming a, you know, a stuck record that wouldn't shut up about the problems that I could see. Um and people don't want to hear that. Organisations, due to their culture and what's going on at any given time, can work at a certain pace. And so I think, you know, the journey has been difficult. Um, how have I got better? I think after three or four failures in three or four companies consecutively, getting to the point of not saying, oh, this company's awful, it's really political, or, oh, God, this company's going nowhere because X, Y, Z is wrong with it actually getting to a moment of thinking there's a common denominator here Natalie and the common denominator isn't any of these companies the common denominator is you so you know how are you going to change how are you going to change how are you going to change your reactions um and if you're really focused and you know driven to become a chief product officer uh, a CEO in the future then, you know, this sits with you, this is your responsibility. 
But again, this was not an overnight. I had to fail repeatedly, I'd say, in four organisations back to back uh, to get to a point of truly understanding, not just saying it, but truly understanding that, that I needed to change. Um, and that's been my experience. And I'm still on that journey now. Um, and I will be forever, I think, because some of those, you know, weak areas, they really trip me up sometimes still. I still, I'm still really triggered by some stuff. I still sometimes like project stuff, but I'm self-aware now that I'm doing it um, to stop it before it goes, you know, too far or, or has a negative impact, I think, <laughs> at this stage. So that's, that's a lot of information there for you, but I, you know, through, through failure and an ongoing failure, but lesser, smaller failures, incremental failures now, I'd call them. They're not like leaving company failures, incremental failures. Yeah, I suppose it's, uh, you know, it takes the strength of a spirit to, to not to give up uh, along the journey and not to take things personally, right, um, to that extent. Because uh, it does take a, a certain mindset, I believe, to make sure that you are seeing not the negativity and the feedback, um, but really the constructive things that you can actually do and improve in order to become better. Um, it, it takes a certain angle, um, you know, it, it takes a certain um, a certain skill, I suppose, to, to take it from a certain angle and not let it stop you uh, from developing further. So that's fantastic. Thank you, Natalie. Uh, I know that you're also um, the only female on a C-suite um, and, you know, just to perhaps um, finalize the, the conversation and with, with, the, with the last question, what would be your advice for, um, for the females facing similar situations when you're the only female uh, in the, you know, either executive suite or in your own team? Because that's oftentimes so much of a challenge, uh, especially within product and engineering uh, teams and, you know, within the web free, for example, that is an ongoing challenge throughout any team, any kind of a seniority level, because simply there isn't enough of the gender balance um, maintained, right, in, in some industries. Yeah. Um, what would I say? I think the first thing I'd start by saying is, yes, I, you know, I am the only, the only woman on the, 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 the C on the exec team at, at OEG. Um, I think though, and, and my CEO, we, we went for lunch a couple of weeks ago and um, he, he said over lunch to me, he was like, Natalie, we're, we're all better as guys for, for working with you. He said, every single one of us is because, you know, and, and there's part of me that thinks is, you know, is this because, you know, I, is this because I am female? Is it because I'm Natalie? Um, but, you know, I do, I do think about things differently. Um, and I think it's really knowing that it's okay to be different and that there is value in your difference and that the organization at the very top level or any level needs diversity of experience and a thought and a feeling to some extent in order to be able to to thrive and i think getting to a point where you feel it's okay like you can feel okay with that but getting to a point where you feel okay articulating that and being that in you know in a, in a shared group is is something else and you know so for me it's very much at this stage of my career been more about connecting with people and, and truly connecting with people and having relationships and building trust. Um, 
to kind of, you know, to feel okay, to, to, to feel okay with, with being myself. And we had, an, we had an exec meeting last week, actually, and, and we did a check-in. And, and in my check-in, I said, you know, I, I'm truly, like, truly happy to turn up every day, particularly with, with my peers. And I, I genuinely feel that it's just completely okay for me to be my authentic self every day at work with these guys as the only woman, and it's fine. And I can, you know, I can share my opinions and my thoughts and I can tell them when they're mansplaining and uh, and they're OK with that, too. And they'll tell me them back when they're not mansplaining and what they and actually we're in this. And I think it's about relationships and it's about trust, actually. And we're at a point where we can, you know, um, bring that to the table. But I think. It's about diversity of thought and experience. And as a woman, particularly on an all male exec team, that is value because you are thinking about things that other people might not be thinking about and vice versa. Very true. It also, what, what you're, what you're saying essentially is that the culture is, uh, the, the open culture is, is what makes it, um, one of the core, um, kind of pushes for, for the, for the females to progress further in the role. And uh, we should perhaps look internally if if there isn't really any diversity in yes. some teams or in some organizations. Brilliant. Well, Natalie, uh, this had been an amazing conversation. I thoroughly enjoyed uh, meeting you. So thank you so much for your time today. And I, I do look forward to speaking uh, with you again sometime in the future. Thank you. Thanks, Alexandra. It's, it's really lovely to share experiences with you as well. Thank you again.